It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornchin. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornchin. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here at Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in today. I want to just encourage you here today. We're going to deviate a little bit from our study of 1 Corinthians. Hopefully we'll be back into that next week. But given everything that's been going on in the headlines today, the uh, uncertainty of things, uh, the dismay, discouragement, all those things, whatever you want to label it with, I just wanted to talk to you today about certain uncertainty in uncertainty. We've got a lot of uncertainty out there, so right now we need to know what are the things, how can we have certainty in times like these? And so most of us, we have this love-hate relationship, if you will, with uncertainty. We hate negative uncertainties, bad things that happen when we didn't expect them to happen, but we tend to love positive uncertainties. You're thinking, well, what are those? Well, it's the good things that happen when we didn't expect them to happen, Uh, but you can't have it both ways. In this world, we are going to have both. Uh, Now, let me just point you to an example of a positive uncertainty, and I think it's what makes life what it is. It's uh, some of the joys, the highs and lows of life, this journey that we go through, And uh, one positive uncertainty that I recently had experienced, I was at a a roller coaster, an amusement park with my family. And uh, we were going on this one particular roller coaster, and we enjoyed it so much. I don't know about you, if you you find a ride that you really like, you kind of jump out of of line again, get back into the line so that you could, so as soon as the, the ride has finished, you get right back into the other line so you can do it again and then do it again and do it again. Okay, so we did this ride four times, all right? Now, here here we are on now on our fifth time, okay? That's how much we enjoyed this. We're on our fifth time, and we're, we're in this particular section that goes down underground. It's dark, and suddenly the power goes out, and the roller coaster just comes to a screeching halt and stops in the middle of the darkness. We have no idea what's going on or how long it's going to take before the power comes back on. And then suddenly we just fall. We knew that there was an edge because we'd been on the ride a few times before. We didn't know how close we were to the edge. And then suddenly the roller coaster just rolled forward, went down off this edge, and came resting at the bottom in the middle of the dark, right? I mean, so here is pitch black, and we knew we were at the edge. We go down, come to to the base of this, and after the initial shock... Suddenly you hear the hooping and hollering. Everybody's excited, laughing about what we had just experienced, where in the midst of what seemed like a very dark and uncertain moment, now all of a sudden we're laughing in the midst of it because we knew we were safe. We just needed to be assured of it. And ultimately what we needed was just a little bit of laughter in the midst of it. We, we needed a, a, something that was uncertain but a positive uncertainty. And that's the moment we actually remember the most about that roller coaster ride, not the previous four attempts. The ride had actually gotten a little mundane, a little routine, if you will. I mean, we'd been on it a few times. We knew what to expect. And and so maybe it lost its luster a little bit. A little bit of the joy had been lost, even though we thought the more we were on the ride, that the more joy we would feel. But yet it wasn't until something uncertain, unexpected happened in the midst of this routine that shook things up, that suddenly we found great joy in the midst of a very dark situation. Literally, it was dark. The lights were out. 
And yet we were laughing. We were celebrating because something new had happened that made the ride even that much better. And I think that happens in life a lot. When we sign up to follow Jesus Christ, we never know what the next day will bring. We have a mission to do. We have people to go out and serve and and to faithfully serve for Jesus Christ as ambassadors for the King of Kings. And, And so what we should expect is that we just don't know what each day will bring. We don't know what trials the Lord will allow us to experience. And, and sometimes we start to lean on our own understanding and not leaning on his. I mean, we're talking about a God who took potentially 2 million people, if estimates serve correctly, as we read scripture of the Exodus, took 2 million people, took them out into the wilderness completely took them away from all of their routines, everything they thought they knew, even though they were under oppression, God had to take them out of that and show them a different way. Total dependency on him in the midst of total uncertainty. They knew that God was with them. They didn't really know which way he was going to take them. I mean, you know, we're talking about a week's journey that now has turned into a 40-year journey. God had a different plan, and he was in every detail of that journey. It wasn't just about the destination. There was a, a dependency that needed to be had on God alone. And we've talked about that over the last couple weeks, that even in Joshua, where Jesus, where actually God the Father, he told them to, to, to get rid of the horses, to hamstring the horses, to destroy the chariots, that God was the one who was to be glorified by any victories that they were to experience, not in their own strength. And so he has to shake up our routine often. And then a little bit of this uncertainty is to draw us closer to him. He always has a reason for what he does. So if you stop and think about it for just a moment, the greatest moments in life are a byproduct of uncertainty. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, it's filled with faith all-stars, if you will. Each of them had a high threshold for uncertainty. That's ultimately what faith is. It's not just embracing uncertainty. It's ultimately learning to love it. And part of us wants a predictable God. I mean, we want to know what he's going to do every single day. And the more advance notice, the better. This is perhaps why we read Revelation almost insatiably, where we want details. We want every detail given to us. So that way we're not taken off guard or surprised by what's what's coming forth. And we spent 18 months in the book of Revelation. And I encourage you, if you feel a great deal of comfort, and I do, in going back and reading that book, and and, and of course uh, going through that study. We have that on our website if you're interested in that. But I, I think that in all of these circumstances, we have to be reminded time and time again, unfortunately so, that Jesus Christ is coming. We should be living like that every day. We, we should always have our eyes on the Savior, in His Word, in prayer, constantly looking up with expectation. That's what the Feast of Tabernacles was all about, that they were to get out of their homes, even into tents, looking up in expectation for the glorious reign of the Messiah. And how often we just go about the mundane routine aspects of our life, not embracing the reality that what we read will happen and may happen in our lifetime. Do we believe it? Do we live like that? Do we live in expectation that God is going to shake things up? And if you know, we're honest with ourselves, if we may even hate to admit it, I I don't know if if you're like this or not, but I I have had to learn to embrace 
uncertainty, uh, the unexpected events in my life. And you've heard me share this many times before about the trials that my wife and I have been through with her cancer and and even losing two children in the womb. Uh, you know, we had miscarriages and all these things that have happened in life, very painful things. But in these valleys, we have drawn closer to the Lord, closer to each other in total dependence of Him, no longer seeing trial and tribulation as an abuse of God, but even as a gift from God. I mean, can you imagine a world where everything that happened in it was predictable? How boring would that be, really? I mean, life would become so monochromatic. A world without uncertainty would be like a, reading a, a mystery, a romance, or or even, you know, just, I don't know, maybe the absence of, of some suspense. None of that would occur if, if, if it was all predictable. Those butterflies in our stomach that we get, the, the surprises over a, an unexpected celebration, or, or a gift of new news, and all of those things, we want the positive uncertainty, but we, we really resist any negative uncertainty. And that's part of the journey. You can't help but read scripture and see all of those highs and lows of that journey. And if there's one thing that we can take assurance in is the fact that we know that Jesus Christ loves his church. He is going to care for his bride. He is looking eagerly as we are for the wedding feast with the bridegroom right? So this wedding feast, even of the Lamb, as we read of this in Revelation and throughout the New Testament, even all pointing our eyes to this glorious day and expectation for this, we know that Jesus loves his church. We know that God loves his people, and he will preserve them. He will protect them. And sometimes whenever a little adversity happens, we feel like somehow we're outside of God's protection. No, no, we just have to embrace it a little differently. Maybe we need to take on a new attitude like Job, The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I don't want to make light of the negative uncertainties that we're all going through. Some of you are dealing with some very serious situations. As a pastor, I can tell you my my phone is ringing off the hook from folks who are going through some difficult time, layoffs, and all sorts of tragic situations happening. And and so we don't make light of that. What we do is we minister to that. And, And that's what we're to do is the church, to be salt and light, to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And some of you are experiencing some high levels of uncertainty right now. I may even be getting in the way of your rest and, and, and where you're fretting a little bit and you're growing anxious. Oh, don't do this. Give this to the Lord. We are not to be anxious. Rather, oh, time and time again throughout the New Testament, we read of these powerful words, even from Jesus Christ and his teaching on this, that, that we should not be worrisome over tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. But, but rather, we must trust in a, in a God who not only creates the lilies of the field, who these were dressed in an array that Solomon was not dressed in, and that who, who knows the very numbers of the hairs upon our head, who, who knows the very details of, that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his knowing. We have a God of infinite knowledge and understanding, aware of every single detail. There's nothing that's happening on this earth that he is not fully aware of and wholly in the midst of. There is no king on a throne today that God has not placed there. Everything happens by his decree. The wind and the waves still obey him. He is fully in control. So I I need you to take assurance in that. And I, I just want you to understand that 
the uncertainty principle that, that I've spoken of in the past before. It's not just a law of physics. It's a law of life. Uncertainty never goes away. You can never retire uncertainty. And so life is forever full of infinite uncertainties. You'll always have unanswered questions and unexplained experiences. But it's some of these things in life that you even look to the details of life that give us such confidence in an orderly, wise God who is still reigning on high and in every single detail. I remember when I, we were traveling to Florida, we, we used to do a lot of road trips uh, with my children as they were growing up, and we just simply just couldn't afford the airline tickets for our big family. We have five children, and, and now, praise God, we've got a grandbaby and one on the way. Hard to believe. It's a glory to God for that. But, uh, you know, so it's a little hard to take those road trips today. But I do remember we'd often take road trips. And what a journey that was. I mean, what a grateful thing that I have still in my heart toward God, of the gift of those road trips to experience life together. And I remember my son, Aiden, he asked me a question. He said, Dad, why did God create mosquitoes? That's a tough question. I made up some lame answer like, well, lizards eat them. Uh, I'm not sure why God made mosquitoes. I don't like them, and I, I don't lose sleep over it. But when you actually look up the why, it's amazing how bees or other pests that seem annoying to us are actually creating such perfect balance to the whole ecological system. I mean, here we are just in the beginnings of spring, and it's hard to even say that word because, you know, as Coloradoans, we know that springtime usually means some pretty heavy snowfall. Uh, but here, I, you know, the snow is melted in our yard. I know there are still many yards with plenty of snow on it here around the, or these parts these days. But uh, for us, you know, we, we finally have the clearing and green grass is starting to, to spring up. And with it, dandelions. Oh, yeah, I've got a few dandelions that have already popped up. I can't believe it. I'm thinking this is a little early for this is what it feels like. And, and here I'm, I see these things as, you know, invaders of my yard. Uh, but my wife... She doesn't see it that way. She sees them as the first flowers to be pollinated by bees. And without bees, we don't have farms. Without farms, we don't have food. And the whole world comes crashing down. I mean, look at that. One small little insect plays such a vital role. That's, that's a god of detail. He's in everything. And so we have to accept that fact that God is God and we are not. And he's... If anything, he's totally uh, to be, well, uh, we can understand how he works, if you will, throughout Scripture, but uh, we're not going to understand the full mind of God. We're going along for the ride. He, he tells us what we need to know, but our faith has to be wholly, fully dependent on God, even when there's a roller coaster that we're on. When, when there's lows and there's peaks and, and, and when it speeds up real fast and starts going around the corners and, and we're trying to hold on tight and other times it feels like going slow and we're in eager anticipation because we know something's coming up. All of these things of the journey of life is not one that we start to uh, de de depend on ourselves and start to uh, you know lose sight of God in, but rather understanding that he is the author of these things. He has a plan laid out, and we can't thwart His will. His holy purposes will be done. And so we go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, say it again with me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence 
of things not seen. A few verses later, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That phrase, even though he did not know where he was going, may be one of the most encouraging phrases in Scripture. If Abraham was driving in a thick fog and then Maybe I'm I'm normal. I'm like I'm a lot like Abraham here. I mean, he has he had plans, he had dreams, he's he had goals perhaps, but yet God shook up everything. I, I mean, I I'm you know like Abraham. I, you know, one day you're doing your business and, and going about the the affairs of this life, and then suddenly God changes everything, and He has a destination for him, but the journey. Maybe a, a little uh, confusing at times. It may be a little foggy, a little uncertain. And you're like, okay, Lord, I, I thought this was the way you wanted me to go. I, I thought I was on the path where you were taking me. And of course, we cannot thwart God's will. And, and so every decision that we're making, if we're bathing that in prayer in his word, and we know that he is taking us to a destination that we cannot thwart, but yet in the midst of this, we still may have a bit of insecurity because God has not verbalized to us every detail of how he's getting us there. We know the destination. I mean, ultimately, we know that Jesus Christ is coming for his church and that we're going to spend forever and ever with him. But in the midst of these things, we are desperately looking for answers. Okay, how does this turn out? What's at the other end of the bend? What's the next corner going to bring? Is my job safe? Are my family going to be okay? Are all of my kids going to know Lord Jesus as their personal Savior? I mean, we want absolute assurances in life, and the only thing that we're assured of is that God is in total control, and that means we have total dependency on God in these things. That's why we go to His Word to strengthen our faith, lest it start to flounder, lest it start to break down and weaken. No, no, may it never be. Let us stand upon the solid rock. Another one of my favorite exchanges in Scripture is Matthew chapter 9. He says, I will follow you wherever you go. This is a man talking to Jesus, and I love Jesus' response. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Here's my translation of that. When you follow Christ, you never know where you're going to end up. I mean, anything can happen. All bets are off, if you will. And that's scary because it's also exciting. I mean, Jesus was promising the element of surprise, and he delivers on that promise that following Christ is the ultimate adventure. And I'm not convinced that following Christ reduces uncertainty. I think it actually just reduces spiritual uncertainty. I think we can have what Philippians chapter 4 calls a peace that surpasses understanding in the midst of these things. Oswald Chambers said it best, to be certain of God is to be uncertain in all of our ways. You never know what a day may bring. And that's especially true right now. We, we want so badly to give answers to those who are seeking answers. The only answer that we have is in Scripture. And we know that God is working out His holy purposes and plans. And Jesus has told us how to prepare, especially as the days draw closer to His return. And indeed, we have an incredible book of Revelation and many prophecies that give us the assurances that God is working things all to the good of those called according to his purposes. Uh, But we, I think, struggle with the idea that we may struggle a little bit as those plans are being unveiled, as the scrolls are being opened, as the seals being popped loose. 
We don't like that. Uh, We simply want to go about our life without anything happening and just simply die in our sleep and go be with the Lord forever. Or even better yet, just be raptured up without any adversity. And and my heart grieves a little bit for Christians with that kind of attitude. This idea of we're just going to sit on the sideline, wait it out, and never be pressed or tested, our faith refined in some way, where we have this moment to stand for Jesus Christ, an opportunity to be bold for him. That No, no, we don't want any of that. Don't, don't, uh, don't make me have to take a stand for my faith. In fact, uh, maybe the least that people know that I'm a Christian, the better, right? Oh, may it never be. You, you want to stand before the presence of the Lord and hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant? It's going to take a, a, a little fortitude, a little perseverance. As God told Joshua to be bold and courageous, now is that time. Now is the time to, to put on your boots, dig in deep, and press in against what is happening in the culture where people are scrambling for answers and turning to every source and solution rather tend to God. Let the church shine brightly in such a time. We are told what to do in, jo- in Joel chapter 1. We're told what to do in Second Chronicles 7.14. We know our responsibility to gather together in, in humble, contrite spirit, in a holy consecration, in a assembly before God, asking him to forgive our sin, to heal our land. But to do that means we also have to address the hidden sin in our lives. It means that we got to get real with God. We got to get right with him and implore him then to not only provide protection, his Psalm 91 covering on our families, but more importantly, that we start to get to work, that he would find us faithful in a time like these. And I'm encouraged too by the fact that We want consistency with God, and he doesn't give us that out. And you're saying, how is that encouragement? Because this is a path that has been traveled by many before us, like Abraham, who didn't know where he was going, like like many of those in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They had to stand boldly for God, but sometimes they didn't know if they were turning to the right or to the left that day. Even Paul would make plans, and the Holy Spirit may have had to get in the way of those plans and direct him elsewhere. All he knew is that he was going to rise that day and be an instrument for Almighty God, and his faith could not waver. Even if the viper was to bite him, he had to have assurance that God was not going to allow the poison to in, to harm him. But yet he could have taken away the snake. He didn't. He still allowed him to be bitten. We see Israel still having to go to battle, even though the outcome of the battle sometimes felt uncertain. They knew whom they were serving. They knew who was with them and who ultimately would receive all victory for anything good that would come out of them. And so I tell you that it is a, it's a good thing that God doesn't give us the plan for tomorrow because now we are totally dependent on him. It starts today. And I want to encourage you that even in Scripture, as we look to how God works, I often find a great encouragement from the fact that Jesus wouldn't let them get into a formula. He wouldn't let them look to a ritual or routine, and especially how he worked his miracles and how people were raised from the dead. Every one of them seemed to be a little different. How he worked miracles and healing people, the sick, the ill. It seemed like every one of them were a little different. He doesn't want us to get into a routine or stuck in a rut. Rather, we're to get off the sidelines and get to work and make today count for the glory of God. And so everything that's happening around us really speaks to the fact that 
when we try to grasp for the illusion of control, God is going to strip us of that. We think we're in control of everything. We, we have no control of anything except for how we respond to what God is doing. And so the only control that in that aspect is our faith. Will we have a strong faith in the midst of these storms? John chapter 3, verse 8 tells us the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I mean, Jesus likened the Holy Spirit to wind. And so, in other words, there's an element of unpredictability when it comes to following Christ. And faith is expecting the unexpected. And so here's the irony. It's the most, what's often the most predictable place on the, on the planet. It's most likely the church. We've tried to create an environment of such predictability that you even know what time the bulletin announcements are being given, what time the worship is happening, what time the message is happening. Now all of that's changed. God is predictably unpredictable. We can know his heart. We know what defines him. We know his holy word from beginning to end and his expectations for us. But you can't read the Bible and come to any other conclusion that God loves to surprise us. And I know that Hebrews 13.8 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that simply means that his character doesn't change. But Jesus was predictably unpredictable then, and he's predictably unpredictable now. And I think Jesus always tried to change things up for his men, for his followers. He's going to do that for us today, to teach us total dependency on him. You, You cannot trust in the almighty dollar. You cannot trust in your nest egg and all of the solutions or illusion of your control. This is a moment in time, perhaps one of the greatest opportunities for the church to shine brightly in recent history, for us to demonstrate not only a great joy and confidence in God, the author and perfecter of our faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also also to demonstrate that we are unshaken by the storms of this world. We needed this. The church needs this. You and I need to be refined. Our faith strengthened through the refiner's fire. So I want to encourage you that there is great certainty in uncertainty. Our God is faithful. He will deliver us through. He has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And a little adversity doesn't hurt. Let's embrace it expect it and understand that if we are going to take a stand for Jesus Christ, it even may hurt a little. But glory be to God, the author and perfecter of our faith, who is working all things to the good of those called according to his mighty purposes. I hope you've been encouraged, my friends, and I want to encourage you to uh, tune in to our live stream broadcasts. Uh, We've got our Sunday service now at 10 a.m., live stream only, Uh, But throughout the week, we've got small groups that are even meeting on Zoom uh, through uh, various forms of uh, media. You know, we've got uh, prayer calls going on, uh, video seminars and messages, all sorts of things going on where you can stay connected with the body of Christ. We may not be able to meet in a building right now, but the church was never about a building. And so I want you to learn more at calvaryfountain.com. Again, this is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. Learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you, my friends. Take care.